You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. So, Pelagianism. Last week we talked about Donatism, or why it's cruel to think that you're better than other Christians. This week, Pelagianism, and it actually works out pretty well chronologically because St. Augustine was dealing with the Donatists, and then right after them, he had no peace in his life, he goes right to the Pelagians. So, I want to begin with a quote from Augustine, and this is kind of the money quote, slash, not that you're writing anything down, but this would be the thing to take away from the class. This comes from his Confessions, um, and it goes like this. Command what you will, give what you command. And I'm going to say that twice, because I think this really should be all of our prayers. Command what you will, give what you command. Pelagius is a fourth century monk in Britain, and he reads these words from Augustine, and he's horrified by them. He's horrified by them because he interprets it to say that essentially you and I have been given impossible commands by our Lord, and that would make God unjust, right? God has to command something that we can, in fact, carry out. Now, going back a little bit before we dive too much into that, Pelagius is someone who's around right after Constantine makes Christianity legal. So it's not the official religion of the empire yet, but it's legal, and not only is it legal, but it's privileged. It's uh, one of these situations where if you want to get ahead in your career or ahead in politics, it wouldn't hurt if you were a Christian. So what Pelagius sees happening as a result of this is that all of the martyrs, both the martyrs who went to their death and the what's called white martyrs, those who were really persecuted for their faith, um, all of a sudden those persecutions stop happening altogether. And he sees that, oh, it's like very easy to say that you're a Christian in name to get by, but not actually to mean it. So Pelagius, he goes to Rome uh, like they all wanted to, and he goes there and he just sees this moral laxity among not just lay Christians, but also clergy. Uh, He sees clergy, much like Luther, right? When Luther goes to Rome, he sees clergy with concubines, clergy with with multiple wives, and he's just like, what has happened? The, the, The purity of the church is lost and gone. And I think we'd all agree, right? Having multiple concubines, multiple wives, whatever, that that is explicitly prohibited in scripture and not a good thing. So Pelagius, again, a monk who's concerned about, you know, the, the holiness of the church, holiness of Christians, has a, a, a good response to this. We need to nip all of this in the bud. Uh, how do we do that? Well, we make things pretty intense. And of course, there's nothing wrong with making things intense, nothing wrong with, you know, every once in a while I need a good kick in my rear end because I'm just, you know, sleepwalking through life. Um, But Pelagius develops this into a whole system. And where it starts off as a good idea but becomes cruel is that Pelagius really has three things that we should focus on today. So it'll be a little bit different than we've done in the last couple weeks, but I think this is important. The three areas where there is controversy in Pelagius's life is he, his understanding of the origin of sin, his understanding of the freedom of the will, 
and his understanding of the nature of God's grace. So, origin of sin, freedom of the will, nature of God's grace. So again, he hears Augustine say uh, these lines, you know, command what you will, Lord, but give what you command. And he's just like, oh, no, 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 this, this can't be right. That assumes that we can't do something. That assumes that we're puppets. Again, for God to be just, we've got to be able to carry this out. Uh, it has to be this thing where, of course, we can fall into sin. Of course, we can fall into addictions and patterns. But really, once we, you know, the way sin works is we commit one sin, we commit the next, and then we, we create this chain, which makes it harder and harder to do good. And if you nip that chain, if that chain is cut off at its root, then we can do what Christ told us to do, and that is to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, of course, we're going to, as good Adventers, we're kind of, ooh, be per- like, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not perfect. I'm not perfect daily. But we, we can see how part of what Pelagius is doing here is a good thing, right? Like, we're not supposed to sin so that grace may abound, as Paul makes clear. But where Pelagius, in his reaction to Augustine, in his reaction to the, you know, the lax, nominal Christian behavior, happening post-Constantine, his response is, is too far. Pelagius goes so far as to say there was no fall. Adam's sin doesn't affect us at all. The only way it affects us is that Adam is an example of what not to do. Adam's sin did not you know, affect the cosmos per se. It's, it definitely didn't chain us or bind us. No, Adam's sin was a bad example. Jesus' sin, or Jesus' lack of sin, is the appropriate example. So there's no fall in Pelagius's understanding of theology. So he has no notion of original sin, as Augustine would unpack later. Or if you're in the Christian East, they don't talk so much about original sin. They talk about ancestral guilt that, that we have. Um, again, very similar ideas. Um, but Pelagius essentially says, no, no, the thing for you and me is just to nip the chain of sinning at its root, and then we can be holy as God is holy. What are the other things? The freedom of the will. Pelagius believes in what we Americans love, we post-enlightenment people love, and that is the autonomous free will. Now, don't get me wrong, if you're in here and you're not a Calvinist, not a Presbyterian, and you're just like, well, hey, I believe in free will, we're not talking about that. Uh, what John Wesley, you know, all, all, what they're talking about when they talk about free will is it's obviously grounded in the, the provenient grace of God. Grace has to hit us first. Grace has to hit us all along the way. But there is a notion of the, you know, we're not, we're not puppets or we're not, you know, um, and I, I don't want to get too much into that because, again, this class is about orthodoxy. This is about what we're for. Um, and, and good Christians can disagree on this. Pelagius, on the other hand, believes that you and I are completely free. Uh, again, I talked about a little bit last week how, uh, regardless of where you're coming from politically, I'm not trying to make this a political statement, but what has been helpful in some of our more recent political talk is about this systemic or structural evils or sins. And I, I think that comes straight out of an understanding of original sin. 
That comes straight out of a Christian way of thinking about the world is that I'm not this completely autonomous person. I, I can't, without the help of my friends or family, whatever, pull up myself by my bootstraps. I am in this thing, this cosmos that has been infected by the fall. That, you know, whether you're uh, whether you're a Wesleyan, whether you're a Calvinist, uh, you, would, you would both agree to that, that we need to be woken up, that we need that radical grace of God, that when in the scriptures, when it says when we were dead in our sins, we were really dead. We weren't just like half awake and we just needed to be woken up. It's, you know, we were dead in our sins. Pelagius, no. Everything that you do, and, and what, what is he trying to do? He, he's, he's trying to, again, I don't want to vilify him, even though I kind of do on one hand, or at least his idea, um, is that, you know, Christians throughout history have maintained two things. One, that humanity is fallen and requires divine help for salvation. But two, humans have a will and are responsible for their sin. See how these things are kind of in tension? Humanity is fallen, we need help. Humans are responsible for what they do. And, and Pelagius' way of essentially dealing with this conundrum was essentially to cut out the first thing, to cut out that humanity has fallen, to cut out that we require divine intervention for salvation. So what is grace for Pelagius if, you know, hey, we nip these bad deeds of the bud, we're good. Uh, well, grace for Pelagius is really just your kind of natural ability, natural God-given ability. So much like in previous weeks, what we talked about, in Pelagius' system, there's really, what is the atonement? It's just an example. Jesus, Adam was the bad example. Jesus is the good example. We nip our sin in the bud. Therefore, we can follow the good example that is Jesus Christ. So again, for Pelagius, we are completely and unconditionally free and we are responsible. So Augustine is the response to Pelagius. And Augustine had just been dealing with the Donatists, which we talked about last week. And who were the Donatists? The Donatists were those who said, Ministers need to be pure and holy to maintain their role. Uh, the church is a place of purity. It's a place of saints, not of sinners, right? Augustine comes and he says, well, actually, it's kind of what Luther says later, right? We're a mixed bag. We're sinners and saints. We are made saints by, by what God has done in Jesus. But, you know, we still, we still struggle through this life. Um, and right in, in the wake of that, something very similar comes along, not just for, uh, for ministers and for whom they baptize, who they ordain, but for the average everyday Christian. This is for the people here. Augustine talks about how, no, we are in fact fallen. No, we are, again, using the language of today, we are, we are bound by these structures and systems, and we need liberation from outside of us. We need, again, that big word, the prevenient grace of God, that grace that goes before us, but also the continuing grace, the grace that's with us every step of the way. 
If you want to check some of this stuff out, again, I've been talking about Fitzsimmons Allison's book, but some great little, I guess you'd call them like essays or articles by Augustine are on the spirit and the letter, on nature and grace, on the grace of Christ and original sin. So toward the end of Augustine's life, in his fights with the Donatists and in the, with the Pelagians, he makes the sovereignty of God. He, he really keeps this at the center of his theology. Again, that God is all-powerful, that God is essentially the one making anything good in you and me happen. And what I, what I find really healthy about this is that, um, that this is the kind of thing that happens to us. It's, uh, we've talked about this before, I've talked about this in the, the sermon, but um, when I'm criticized, when I'm lectured to, when I'm told to be better, and, and, and I gave this example in the sermon earlier today, there was a, a priest who, a good priest, uh, he would just say he had a bad moment, but I was kind of bearing my soul to him about this thing I was struggling with, and this priest just was probably just having a bad day, but said, stop doing that. Just, just stop it. And I remember going away completely dejected just because, I mean, and it wasn't alcoholism. I wasn't a drug addict, uh, but it, it was something that I just couldn't quit. Uh, and him telling me to stop it, I went for that day and did that very thing. I just like, I got depressed. I don't know what it was. Now, thankfully, this, this priest called back a couple of days later. It was just like, that was absolutely awful, blah, blah, blah. Um, and really was like, well, like, you know, I don't think you, you can just nip these things in the bud. These are the kind of things you have to go to in prayer and, you know, a, a work of the Spirit. Now, I don't know what that is for you, and I'm not asking you to tell me, <laughs> but we all know these things. And it's really easy to look at those people, right? You know, your friend who drinks a little bit too much and doesn't think it's a habit, but it's it's an addiction or um, you know, I don't. Yeah, I don't want to give in too many examples, but 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 there's one. I don't want to pry <laughs> too much. Um, but essentially, with the what, what I find cruel again, we're talking about the cruelty of heresy about Pelagianism, is that even though we as Americans we kind of love this, right? It's all on you, um, and if you keep screwing up, uh, if you can't nip this in the bud. Um, your salvation is dependent upon it. Your, uh, it's, it's this recipe for uh, anxious people to be very anxious. And if you're not anxious, well, <laughs> it's a recipe to be, at least when you're anxious, worried about the uh, last things. What, what I find very comforting about the orthodox response, you might say, is that it's, you know, we are, again, like what the reformers unpack later on, that we are made right with God, not by virtue of nipping our addictions, our sins in the bud, but by virtue of what Christ has done in our place and on our behalf. So, and I think that that balm, that good news, the opposite of the cruel news, is what, you know, obviously the Holy Spirit is what births goodness in us, but this good news that we are unconditionally loved, right? Paul's all used to say uh, that one-way love of God for suffering sinners like you and me actually births goodness. Uh, maybe not every time, right? We, you know, we still go back to our fallen ways. I know I do all the time, but that news is the opposite of the lectures, the criticisms, uh, the telling me what's what 
that oftentimes leads me running the other way. Uh, now, I don't want to get too much into what, so from here you have the Council of Carthage and the Council of Orange, and this is probably for uh, the nerds in the room, me being the chief of them. Um, these are not ecumenical councils. What does that mean? So Nicaea is an ecumenical council. It's a council that the whole church came together and agreed upon, both west and east. This controversy is happening primarily, almost exclusively in the west. Uh, a lot of the, the heresies we talked about earlier, uh, with the exception of Donatism, they were foremost in the east. Here we have one in the west. And so the Council of Carthage comes down really hard on the side of what we might call the sovereignty of God. Uh, humanity has fallen, requires divine help for salvation. Um, and some people say, some people in the East in particular say, well, you guys went, you did the opposite error of Pelagius. Pelagius said we're totally and autonomous, autonomously free and responsible for our own salvation. Uh, you guys went too far and said, well, maybe human responsibility is kind of an illusion. Now, they're not actually saying this. That's what the critique is. But I think when we look at the Council of Carthage, the Council of Orange, and the, the condemnation of Pelagianism and even semi-Pelagianism, I think we can rejoice on the one hand because, yes, salvation being in our hands really is bad news. Uh, it's a recipe for anxiety. It's a recipe for some of us running to do the very thing we were told not to do. Uh, it's just, it's a, yeah, where is the balm of Gilead there? Um, but what I do want to say is, is that, and I tend toward the more sovereignty of God side of things. Um, I tend toward the more, you know, I don't know how to understand free will. Um, but good Christians have differed here. They all acknowledge that humans are either, you know, original sin or ancestral guilt, like the East does. Uh, we all say that, you know, we're not autonomously free. Uh, even those who believe in free will do believe, like, of course, there is the intervention of God, there is grace, etc. And then all of us believe that, you know, we're, you know, at least... Um, and I would even go so far as to say even Catholics, what, what they believe that we're saved by grace. But here, Pelagius is saying that we are not saved by grace. Or if we are, that grace is our natural human ability. Does that make sense? So the reason I'm bringing this up and the reason why I brought up all these heresies is that Pelagianism isn't just something from way back when. I think Pelagianism runs in every single human heart. Um, it's our kind of theological modus operandi. It's uh, my, my, and I, I find that even now, right, I've been saturated with grace-filled messages. I've been saturated with people like Paul Zoll and Martin Luther, et cetera. Uh, and yeah, I'm a Protestant. I'm, I'm a radical grace guy. But I still will wake up to, um, essentially kind of like panic attacks at three o'clock in the morning thinking man i i have ruined it like my, my predisposition to run to karma to run back to you know um, if you do good things good things will happen to you 
or if you do good things, you're going to heaven. It's so deep that I need to hear this radical gospel week in and week out. And that's why I, I preach it week in and week out. And I'm a one-trick pony, guilty, you know, maybe go to the other preacher. Uh, but, yeah, I, I really think that Pelagianism is also very relevant for contemporary American Christianity. Uh, and this is why we really got to know about the giants who've gone before us, who've already fought these battles ahead of us. And we can stand on their shoulders, and whether we get it or not, we can wrestle with what they're saying, just like many have wrestled with Augustine. Did he go too far? Is predestination to hell a little too much? And the church later, parts of the church would say yes. Um, but ultimately, without getting lost in the weeds, and I would say even if you affirm that kind of position, the, the good news here is it's too good to be true, and yet it is, and that it's, you can't screw it up, and you can't do it. It's this divine intervention from outside uh, has brought us from death to life. And as Paul likes to say, you know, if, if while we were enemies of God, Christ made us right with God, how much more now that we're no longer enemies, now that we've been reconciled to God, will God see this work of salvation through to its end? Uh, that's good news. Uh, the latter, I would say, as I've said for all these heresies, is not hip. Uh, it's not transgressive in a cool way. It's actually cruel. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.